Our DT Systems, the Wrap 1400 or 1400 if you like doing it that way, but it's the Wrap 1400. It's a collar that is super reliable, ready to rock, and it's super handy because you can hold it in your hand while you're shooting your shotgun during duck season. So it's a cool unit for you and your dog come hunting season so that you've got control over any situation. Anything the dog throws at you during the hunt is right there, easy and accessible. Bingo, bango, bongo. If you don't want that one, check out the H. 201820. It's the DT Systems and it's dog tested, dog tough. Gunner Kennels, baby. Hashtag man's best kennel. Well, it's also now hashtag man's best food crate. It's freaking raccoon proof. You can't get into this thing. Your dog can't bust into the lid and eat all the food. Trust me, I know Memphis has done it in the past. She looks like a blown up pumpkin. Boom. But not anymore. We've got the Gunner Kennel food crate. It's easy to pack, easy to store, keeps food dry, which food's an investment, man. That Purina, baby, it ain't cheap anymore. So keep it dry, good, all that stuff, easy to pack, easy to store. The Gunner Kennel Food Crate, slide into DMs if you'd like to learn more. Have you wondered if you want to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in. Links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to our vacation episode. It's Kevin and Bob sitting in the basement of a nice little lake house on Brantingham Lake in the Adirondacks of New York. Uh, we decided to do a quick Q&A, get one out to you guys this week, have a little bit of fun, and uh, a little bit of something different, a little something, something for you, uh, but we have a bunch of good Q&A questions coming up soon. But first, a little touch of our Yukonuba. We just had Sam and Ryder puppies go home. Um, they looked really, really good. Uh, we suggest their puppy formula one to two years old until they're mature. But those pups loved it, ate it up, firm stools, looking good, healthy, great energy, all of the above. So if you've got a young puppy or a litter or whatever check out yukonuba's puppy large breed puppy formula next up is gunner kennels kevin have you checked out their new color yeah it's like a hunter green Ooh. handsome sexy baby very handsome i think uh bird would look real good in one of them i know it almost makes me wish i could just have a a different array of colors of gunners i mean you got it's called biometo then you got your tan and then you got your Tan with camo. Tan with camo door. Yeah, that's what we have. Yep. And then they've got the charcoal gray, slate gray, like gunmetal. Gun metal, I think. Yeah, yeah, super sexy. But this new biometal, it's kind of a special edition, short run. If you want it, check it out. Get it now because they are not going to last long. So if you're interested in one of those, shoot us a DM on Instagram at Lone Duck. We'd be happy to get you into their new color, Biometo. Bye, you. Bio, Northerners. Yeah, we're Yankees. 
I thought it was Biometto. Like you just say it really fast and you sound mm-hmm. southern. Bio. Biometto. <laughs> I'm not sure. Traeger Grill. Don't die <laughs> Next up, Traeger Grill. Smoke them if you got them, baby. Welcome to the Traeger Hood. Man, I made, uh, on the little Ranger that I've got, I made some sausage. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Name that movie if you're from the early 90s. I can't. I know. It's because you're too young for it. I was a little young for it. I probably shouldn't have watched it when I was that young. But what movie? I think it was Freddy Got Fingered. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think I've seen that one. It's either that one or Road Trip where, like, uh, what was it? Adam, shoot, I can't think of their names now. Yeah, this is how long ago it was. But anywho, Daddy, would you like some sausage? We cooked some sausage on the Traeger. It was delish. Uh, and we were out training. It was Friday or Saturday? Saturday morning. Yeah, Saturday morning it was. And we had that thing smoking right out in the field. It was cool. So if you want, check it out. Traeger Grills. Baby. Next up, Dogtra. Um, we actually were doing a little, little thingy dingy for their social media this morning, talking about ideas, why I e-collars are a great training tool, little tips and tricks, blah, blah, blah. And it reminded me of a story of my edge RT where about four years ago, I had lost it in a field for several months, found it, charged it up. And that sucker still works to this day. That is durability if I've ever heard of it. I uh I, I read a thing in a, I don't remember what magazine it was. It might have been a Ducks Unlimited or something like that where they had a quote from Mike Ritland. Oh yeah. He does some dogstra stuff as well. Cool dude, check out his podcast. Mike Drop. Yep. And he just said, you know, we use our we use this on our dogs over in Afghanistan. Like that says enough. Yeah. No, I get it. Way cooler than mine. But anyways, <laughs> thanks, Mike. Uh, but anyways, if you'd like to learn more about the Edger T, that's more of the pro model. It's three-dog unit. Um, I use it literally every day. That's what you know. I use and a bunch of my other pro buddies use. That's on our website, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Look it up, Edge RT, ladies and gentlemen, and babies. Next up is us, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. We've got a ton of great products on there, guys. Like we just said, with the Dog Tread RT, we've got a line of Dog Tread products, Momarsh products, Gunners Up, Wingers. We, we do sell a lot of this stuff that you need and ask us about to train your dogs and to get ready for hunting season. And also those sweet Unspoken Bond t-shirts and hats and whatnot. So if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy the content that we put out and you want to support us, we appreciate it. LoneDuckOutfitters.com. We thank you. And last up, Waypoint Outdoor Collective. They're the host of our show, the analytic tools, but they also have a family of podcasts and social media influencers as well. And if you'd like to learn more about homesteading and fishing and hunting and whatnot, check out Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Kevin? Are you ready to get into the show, buddy? Do we want to quick talk about how uh, you've been on the struggle bus fishing this week? Struggle bus? Bro, I've caught more fish than everybody else here. I know. You, caught, you definitely have caught more fish than I have, so I 
should yeah. bust your balls, but I think I have an obligation to do so. It's true. Now, listen, we aren't slaying any fish here, folks. We are using bobbers and worms and catching bluegill in the last half hour of our night, but I've caught a few bass on multiple different rigs. But, I mean, really, we are struggling. We just are not catching fish. Um, There's just I, nothing in the water is what we've learned. Yeah, but I have caught and helped the young little, my nieces, catch, along with my mother and Carrie, some bluegill. And there are some slob bluegills out there. So, it's been fun. It's it been, has been pretty cool. I, that was mom's first fish. Did you know that? No. Ever? So she, she, yeah. Ever. Full on casting out. Oh yeah, doing doing the whole deal, and same with the girls. So it's pretty cool watching them catch fish, catch fish for the first time. They've caught some fish, but it it, it was this was like they reeled it in. They yeah. they did the work. So yeah, no, it's been fun. It's been an, uh, a nice little break from the dogs. It's been a nice little family time. Like I, I just don't get enough of it uh, with the hours we put in and the traveling and just the responsibilities of 24 seven care of live animals. So to trust my man, Jimmy back at home to do obedience and run marks and keep the shop running. It is very nice to be able to get away for four days or whatever, and just have a little family time, decompress, rock a podcast, get some things in order business wise that are hard to do when you're running and gunning speed yeah right so very cool and we're about to kick right back into hunt test season so i'll be on the road again like every weekend in september um except for the last weekend in september which we will touch on with our seminar that you've all have been asking about and uh so stay tuned towards the end of the show we'll talk about the seminar and what you want to do and how we want to get it done but it'll be the last week in september all right kev Kev's going to read off some reviews because that uh, it is fun to hear some feedback. And Kevin's got two or three that are really good. Yeah, so I don't know how much time. Well, I know you don't have much time uh, to to read through all of the different reviews that we get, but I do. Nice. Thanks. Um, I hit every email. So if anyone does have questions or concerns, Lone Duck Podcast Gmail dot com. I will answer. Um, but uh, had some really great feedback. Someone wrote in and said uh, that they, they're more of an HRC guy, love reading and listening, all the different content that we have. So shout out to you, Midway. Midway. Nice. Great name. Shout out, Midway. Uh, C.T. Dobbs, been binging the podcast recently. Love it. Super informative. Thank you, my friend. Uh, we had another really good one from Game Hog, so that's a good, great name. Big old hog. Big old Game Hog. Uh, who said, before I start my review, I'd like to give a shout-out to Gunner Kennels, Dogtra, Yukonuba, Traeger, and Waypoint. And then went on to say a bunch of nice things. So appreciate <laughs> it, but definitely he did his uh, own one intro. of the best. Yeah, nice. his own little sponsorship intro. Nice. Um, and then had another good one to, to finish it up here, uh, saying that, the person had been binging and then was re-binging the Force Fetch episodes, yeah. saying how helpful that was and uh, that without us really knowing has been a huge influence on their dog. Cool. So that's pretty cool, man. I mean, what do you think about that? No, I I first off am appreciative of everybody taking time to leave a review and subscribing and doing the stars. And that Force Fetch, the two-parter, seems to be... Like when people send me direct messages on Instagram, that that seems to be one that 
has really helped a lot of people and probably one we need to like maybe we revisit or revisit or repost or whatever and i have even i've adapted and tried some new techniques with force fetch since the nine months ago or whatever we put that sucker up so maybe we'll do another one but force fetch is is a it's not rocket science but it is intimidating and every dog responds to it differently and everybody has this like emotional baggage surrounding force fetch so to to hear that it's helping people is why we're doing the podcast and why you know you guys supporting us by listening subscribing reviewing grabbing a lone duck hat or a t-shirt and you know all that jazz all that kind of support is what makes this possible we are going to be advancing and working on a video series for youtube in the next our next six month goal is to help boost that so Maybe we'll do some more force fetch there, but yeah, now appreciate all the reviews and people taking time to give, give them and give a crap. So yeah, makes you. us, makes us feel real good. All right, let's get into some questions, buddy. Yeah, let me pull them up here. So can you put your computer up on the table so you're not half leaned over? That might work. I could, but I got stuff everywhere. Yeah. Well, let's get it situated. So these are Instagram questions that we had come through like that little sticker thing, like ask us something. And so these folks sent in their questions or direct messaged us their questions, and they're pretty poignant. So let it yeah. rip, buddy. So we had, uh, oh, we've been talking a lot about T-Pattern recently, uh, mm-hmm. and our, our pal Talenberg wrote in, thank you for sending in a question. He's got a lab uh, going through T-Pattern and says, occasionally while sending him from the home plate, he decides to head to the over piles instead of straight back to the back pile. What do I do? Yep. So this is one of two things. One, you're not lining the dog up properly. So their head and body is pointing towards the over piles and you just aren't recognizing it. And Or maybe they're lined up right, but their head keeps looking over there and not looking straight out to the back pile. And you send them and they go to the overpile. So that would be kind of on you. If it is not on you, and they are lined up properly, and they are looking out good, and they make the decision that those overpiles are closer and easier to get to, then the first correction I would make is, no here, bring them all the way back to me. I would walk up you know, several steps, sit them down, and send them to the back pile again. Now, if they do it again, I'm going to know here with some collar correction, heel, sit, good right there, back, and I'll move up. So I'm making it um, an easier decision for them to go to the back pile by moving closer to it, and in turn, those over piles are getting further and further away, like out of their peripheral vision. Um, So that's how I would solve it, and it's... It's pretty common, and it's usually common in what I would consider like a lazy dog with T-pattern, like one who doesn't really like doing it. They're doing it because they they have to, and they're like going through the motions or blah, blah, blah. Like they just, it's kind of an attitude thing. And so they're like, hmm, I am still going back, but I'm going to go to the closest back as I can. But it's wrong. Go straight. Um, now I would caveat that and say like, make sure you got your white poles at each of the piles, 
make sure that you're in shorter grass and maybe even like mow the strips of to the back pile and to the over piles. So you've got it pretty black and white and there's no gray area for them to, you know, do that. But yeah, the quick answer is no here, bring them back, move a few steps closer to the back pile, send them again. If they do it again, no here with e-collar pressure, move closer to the back pile, sit and send them again. So great question. Pretty common, not a major problem. You'll fix it just doing that stuff. Nice. Uh, had one come in from our pal, bearded Southern gentleman. Uh, if you could only have one kind of dog, hunt test or a duck dog, what would you want? So if I could only, if I could only have one, so that means if I only had a hunt test dog, I couldn't hunt with it. And if I only could hunt with it, then I couldn't run hunt tests. I'd probably just do hunting dog because, I, I mean, that's why we do the hunt. Like, it's the chicken or the egg. Like, I would rather hunt with my dog than go and run a hunt test any day. But if you look at it maybe another perspective, hunt test season is all year long. Hunting season is only X amount of days a year. And how many times can you get out during hunting season? So, But I think the reason why we train and hunt test is so that we can have a better hunting dog and a more comprehensive hunting dog and challenge us and our dogs to be a better hunting dog. So the whole goal revolves around them being a hunting dog. Uh, So I'm going to go with, I would rather have a bad to the bone duck dog, waterfowl dog, upland bird hunting dog and hunt anything I want with it and have it do whatever I want. That's that's what I would have. Next up. Uh, Gentleman's Wade Jake has a really good one here. Uh, I have a young dog through force fetch, T-pattern, and running simple seasoned level blinds. Last week, she seemed a little bit out of whack, wasn't marking well, wasn't taking casts. Uh, so he simplified by using white buckets and poles, but she'll just line them. She's not really changing direction like she should. Gotcha. So this is a wicked common problem, and I had this discussion, I have this discussion with everybody, right? And this was a common problem that I did way back in the day. Um, everybody thinks short blinds are easier. They're not as far. Or the dog will break down and start hunting too soon instead of keep driving back. Well, if you, it's just like the idea would be, how we talk about extending the distance dogs will mark where you help that dog. Uh, maybe you throw them another bumper in route. Um, you know, all sorts of ideas to extend marks, but everybody like goes back. Like if they learned that lesson about marking, they don't apply it to running blinds. And so they'll just do 60 yard blinds and, now the dog starts breaking down at 40 yards and, and won't keep running a straight line or they lose confidence and won't handle. So that's what this dog is doing. The dog is chopping up a blind and won't cast because it's basically ma- afraid to make a mistake. So every time in a young dog who's learning blinds, every time you blow that whistle, imagine that's a correction to, to the dog. So if I'm going through a field with zero understanding of where I'm going and you blow a whistle, Kevin, let's pretend this is me and you, Yeah. right? 
Like we That's don't. That's kind of how I'm envisioning it in my right. head because the whistle almost is a correction. It's like, in the sense of it's letting you right. know, like, no, you're still doing it wrong. Or, well, yes. So let's pretend that me and you, I'm the dog, you're the handler. Okay, you send me out to no man's land, and I'm just doing it because I'm trying to please you, and you've told me and showed me how to do it, right? And you just send me out. So I start leaving at a jog. Okay, so I'm just jogging basically blindfolded through a field, you know, there's different terrain, there's different land features. Oh, here's a log. Here's a, you know, a pile of deer poop. There's all sorts of things in my way. And I'm just like blindly running out there waiting for you to tell me where to go. Okay. Tweet. And you give me an angle right back. Okay. Yeah. You with me? Yeah, I'm tracking. So I turn around and start heading that way. And then I fade back over here, and I'm, like, jogging, and I straightened back out, and I didn't go very far on my angle. Tweet. You Now you yell at me, and you, like, make me go really fast angle right. And now I'm like, oh, God, okay, oh, that wasn't right. And uh, I start to go, and then you tweet, and then you tweet, and then you tweet, and then you tweet, and then you tweet. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Bro, whoa, whoa. Where do you want me to go? Right. Every- I'm trying. I'm trying. You just got to settle down. Right. And so this dog has no idea where you want them to go. If you have a short blind, 60, 80 yards, 40 yards, 60, like a seasoned level blind is like 50 yards. That dog, I could throw a football and hit that blind. So you're telling me I've got to get that dog that has no idea where it's supposed to go to stop and cast on that short, tiny little blind and have it be confident. So if they're 10 yards off, that's big time off on a 50 yard blind yeah if they're 10 yards off on a 150 yard blind that's still online basically they're still going in the good direction so what i'm trying to say is easier blinds actually are longer because you can allow that dog to take a cast and carry a cast and if it's offline a little bit who cares let them roll and build confidence then you stop them and then you get them to change direction and then They build confidence going in that way. So you're thinking about it like weaving through a field. Just weave through a big field, back and forth, back and forth, sort of staying on that line loosely. I don't ever stop a dog, give them a right over until they're on the line, stop them on the line, give them a straight left back. You just weave through the field, and as that dog progresses, that weaving becomes tighter, 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 tighter. So the zigzagging back and forth. Is actually a good thing. Yeah. But if you do it in a short, quote-unquote, season-level blind, that's way too short. And so your dog can't make a... Basically, by the time they turn and change direction, they're already wrong. So you got to blow the whistle again. And then they change direction again, and you got to stop them again. And then you got to change direction and stop them again. So in a young dog who has no idea where they're going, every time you blow that whistle, you're saying, nope, you're wrong, nope, you're wrong, go this way, go this way, go go this way. That's why when he uses a white pole and a white bucket, the dog lines it because it's a no-brainer. It's 50 yards away. It's right in front of him. Right. I would say take that white pole and bucket and put that sucker 225 yards away and run your blind. The other thing you can do to build confidence, remember distance erodes control. So with a young dog who's learning how to run blinds, kick them loose on back and follow them out into the field. So they're running and you're behind them. Maybe at a brisk walk or a light jog. Tweet. So now, instead of being 100 yards away from you, 
they're 60 and then you cast them and follow them out. And now when you stop them, instead of being a hundred yards away, they're 60 yards away. So you kind of maintain that short distance between you and the dog because you're following them out. So you're maintaining control on your casts and getting your casts. Now, if, if you, let me back up for a second. If I give a dog a right angle back and they do a straight left over, that's wrong. I'm going to stop them. I'm going to cast them again. And I'm going to get them to go where I want them to go. But if they go anywhere in that general direction of an angle right when they're learning how to run blinds, I'm going to let them do it. And then because we've increased the distance on blinds and made them further, it allows that dog to carry that cast and be more confident. Does that make sense, Kev? Yeah. I mean, it, I we jumped people, around a little bit. but No, but I think yeah, it makes sense that just take your time. put Kind of like put yourself in their perspective. If you're being tweet, 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 you're kind of, at some point, you're going to throw your hands up and be like, what do you want from me, man? Yeah. So just through this, them, I'm not going anywhere. I don't know what you want. Exactly. So let them go. And okay. All right. We're rolling. We're moving. All right. Oh, go this way now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Now we're going. We're moving. And I can, you can create that zigzagging effect and you'll get where you want to go. Just be patient. Yeah. Um. Again, to, to maybe highlight the areas is actually increasing the distance to the blind is going to make the blinds easier. I still use white poles and buckets and whatnot, but I increase the distance. Um, follow them out into the field so you decrease the distance to the dog every time you blow the whistle um, But and, and maintain control, but you're still the dog still has to run 150 yards. Um, the more times at a young dog, with a young dog, the more you blow that whistle, the less confident they're going to be. So if they go in the general direction and they're trying hard, let them carry it. Let them carry it. Now stop them. They cast, let them carry it, let them carry it, now stop them. Instead of tweet, 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 they blow up, they quit trying, they start coming in, they lay down, they run away, they do all sorts of dumb stuff because you screwed it up. So there you go. I think one thing that... We actually talked about a lot with Ethan uh, when we were showing him how to run blinds. Um, was like be confident and assertive with your whistle. Oh yeah, like so. Well, like just, you mean it, baby? Hey. No tweet. Bam! So it's a sharp noise. They're really far away, running through brush. You got to make sure that they hear it. Is there a whistle that said that you would recommend? I mean, I use the sport dog's peeless whistle. And, and, yeah, to your point, Kevin, you know, blow it like you mean it. Their $6 whistle, get your money's worth. That dog, when they're running hard or swimming hard or in water that they're splashing and running in, they better hear that whistle And instead of just get a correction. If they can't hear you, then it's not fair to, well, they blew off my whistle and you start shocking them. So make sure they hear you, blow it like you mean it, and uh, sharp blasts. All right, Kev, what's up next? Yeah, here's a good one. Uh, Robbie Good was wondering how many bush lattes we brought on the trip. Not enough. We had to restock. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. uh, also, we we were in bush country. We'll, we'll probably send out a picture with this. Oh, that yeah. Was funny. We pulled up, and there was a, like a billboard saying that bush welcome bush hunters or something like that. It's yeah, awesome. wel- welcome hunters, and it was a big bush light with a big old deer on it. <clears throat> yeah, it was great. Nice. Uh brownie fishing had a good two-parter. So I'm going to do this one slow. 
what order do you collar condition and what things do you teach first? How do you know if you should focus on one thing or if you should focus on multiple things during training? Okay. Collar conditioning, uh, I think we all, all trainers kind of do it the same but different. I know that's a weird thing. But like how I collar condition, I like to collar condition to the hear command first. So, and I'm not going to get into how to do it. I'm just going to say what I do and blah, blah, blah. So, the hear command is collar condition first. Then, once they're pretty solid with that, I'll do heel. Because heel and hear are very similar. So, like, hear means you come to me now and get to me. And that turns the pressure off. Comfortable or uncomfortable, comfortable and praise. So they learn to turn that pressure off and get praise by being with me. Then heel in the dog's brain is staying with me and walking nicely, gently on a leash. I've already taught them with a choke chain or a slip lead or whatever. I've already taught them, even with treats, I'll, I'll teach them to stay with me. And now I'll overlay that instead of popping them on the leash. I'll use a collar correction. So now we've understood coming to me turns pressure off. Staying with me turns pressure off, and then I'll do sit, where you know once the butt hits the ground, that turns the pressure off. I'll I'll do some dogs, a lot of dogs, I'll do place, so I'll send them to a place or a Momar stand, and that turns the pressure off. And now I'm getting them to do things that they've already learned, so they already learned place with treats, they already learned heel, they already learned here. Uh, they already learned sit. They know what those things mean. Now I overlay it with collar. Now the second part of his question is, can you do multiple things or just one at a time? When I'm collar conditioning and I'm doing a session of X here, I'm not making the dog do anything else. So I'm working on in that five or 10 minutes here, not here, then sit, not here, then heal, not here, then do 10 other things, I want that dog to think about one thing, and that's getting to me quickly and turning that pressure off. If you start adding too many things, then they are going to, it's kind of like what we just talked about with running blinds. You're going to start confusing them. You're going to take confidence away. They're going to start getting nicked for all sorts of commands or, or stimulation for all sorts of commands all at once, and they're not going to understand what, when, how, and why to turn that pressure off. So focus when you're collar conditioning, focus on one thing first, get that solid, then do another command. So simple, right? Um, so for instance, what would be wrong is here, you know, stimulation, place, and then they get to you, pressure's turned off, now place, stimulation. They get on place, good. Now here, stim off of place, calling them off a place here, burning them off. Like that's bad dog training. You're over doing it where the dog is just getting stimulation for multiple things and not figuring out how to turn that pressure off. Worry about one, then worry about another, then worry about another and get them all smooth. And then you can start, you know, kind of, you know, he, he's going to under, the dog is going to understand what you're asking of it. And that that pressure means I better comply quickly to get the desired response and praise and all that jazz. Um, 
So like, for instance, if I'm like out with my dog and I say here and really I want him to place, I could give him a little nick nick on here. He comes into me, good dog. All right, now place. And then he doesn't do place right away and I could nick nick, get him on place, but you're not overdoing it right away. When that dog's learning collar conditioning, focus on one. Got a good one from Josh Good. Uh, <laughs> oh, so it's interesting. So he says, uh, I used Woe on my GSP when doing marks, and now she'll sit whenever he says Woe out in the field. Mm, gotcha. All right. What do we do? So this is where I differ from a lot of the short hair folks that I train with. There, there's several commands and things that they do differently than I do, and this would be one of them. When I tell a dog sit, I mean sit. I don't mean sit and stay or sit and woe. Just sit, and then I will release you on your name to go pick up a mark. A lot of sh- pointer, navda, whatever, will like tap them on the back of the head and say fetch. I don't do that. I send them on their name because for me, fetch means Pick that thing up right now, this instant, or don't drop that thing. Like grab it and hold on to it. So if I'm sending them on a mark where they're supposed to use their eyes and their nose and and go and search for something and bring it back to me, if I tell them fetch, they're going to be looking right near my feet, right near me. They're going to be probably mildly under stress, like, ooh, I better go get that right now. And they're not worried about using a little bit of comfort and and be relaxed about it so i send dogs on their name so those are a little differences in what i do but long story short to answer his question woe means stand still point a bird stand still i teach woe before i teach sit with pointers that i've trained i don't need them to sit i need them to just not move and stand still so now when you start integrating doing retriever marks and having them sit I just tell them, I teach them sit after woe. I make them sit. I do not say woe in any way, shape, or form in my retriever work. Sometimes that dog, after the bird is like launched and they've woed and stood still and it's launched and I go and like pet them to release them, they'll sit. Really not a problem, but not what you want. And it's, it's all it is in that dog's brain is confusion. So... My breakdown is, A, not my expertise. I would point you to our friends at Standing Stone Kennels. They've got a ton of videos on this stuff. They are more apt with the pointers than I am. But for me, I would say this is probably not a problem. And the only reason it would be a problem is if your dog smells a bird, points a bird, and sits before you even get there and flush it and stuff. If that's the case, then I would completely stop telling that dog sit. I would completely change my approach to everything, and I would rework woe and simplify and make that dog stand still and stand. Um, so that's kind of my, my thought is generally it's probably not a problem unless it's doing it when it should be standing still pointing. After that bird is gone and flush and whatever, you know, less of an issue. Um yeah, that's that. But definitely check out Ethan and Cat. They have a ton of good content on Standing Stone Kennels. And they'll be able to help you out. Tree Hill Labs. Do you, you we've well, actually mentioned this a couple times. Do you use white stickmen 
where you have your wingers, or do you have your bird boy wear white? You've mentioned white buckets, white poles. Like, can mm-hmm. you maybe give a little bit of when to use what? Yeah, so the white poles and white buckets is for handling and, and running blinds and stuff. Um, the white stick men or having your bird boy wear white is good. Um, basically, at field trialers will have their bird boys or wingers have white on them. So that at 350, 450, you know, 250, 100 yards, all these variations of distances, the dog will look out, see white, focus in on that location, and then mark the bird and go and get the bird and stay on that side of the gun. And it's pretty advanced type of stuff, right? Your average duck dog guy, you know, probably not a care in the world about this, but for those are, who are trying to elevate their skill set, elevate their dog, you know, play field trial games and stuff. So Tan, what do I do? Um, I intermix them. So I don't just run hunt tests. I don't just run field trials. In fact, I really don't run field trials, but I still use white poles, or excuse me, stick men or my bird boy wearing white. If I've got really long marks or challenging cover and marks and blah 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 or i'm working quinn and ellie and memphis and Cruz on some like stuff that we could see in an srs or in a field trial whatever i'll definitely have them in white to help the dogs pick out the guns and you know run that distance and blah 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 um i would say i don't do it like our friend adam campbell that came on the podcast he probably is similar to me. He runs way more hunt tests than field trials, but he still does. He runs a lot more field trials than we do and has had a lot of success in it. Even for his hunt test dogs, he'll have his bird boys wear white. And it's just to help the dog pick out where those birds are being thrown from and look out confidently. And it's it's all about confidence and marking. So I see benefits. I would say I probably do 50-50 or even less than that where maybe two or three days a week we'll do white bucket or uh, white stick man and Jimmy wearing white. But, you know, if I'm throwing some real monster stuff and trying to teach, then they're definitely seeing white out there. Yeah. Final question was also from Tree Hill Labs. Uh, are we still planning to do a seminar right as we alluded to earlier in the podcast yeah we're going to do a seminar guys and and i don't even really want to call it a seminar it's like a yes, educational fun pre-season pre-hunting season tune up tune up slash q and a's slash you know what does your dog need what are you struggling with we're going to limit it to 15 dogs um, we might have some opportunities for people just to be like bystanders and hang out and watch, but not bring their dog, but it's going to be 15 dogs. Now with the old COVIDs, there's going to be some disclaimers. You can't be from certain States that New York won't allow in or else you won't be able to get a hotel for instance. But if you're from States X, Y, and Z, and you're okay to come into New York, 
we're going to rock this thing next year with no, hopefully no more COVID. It'll be looser, but there'll be more information like ASAP this week, but it's September 26th and 27th of 2020. It is going to be all day Saturday with a barbecue on the old Traeger Saturday night and a bonfire. Then Sunday, we're going to do a half a day. Um, We're going to provide a lunch. We're going to do like a live, probably something live on Instagram or Facebook or podcast with Q&As during our lunch break. Um, And it'll be fun. I mean, that's kind of what we're doing this for. It's not, you know, whiteboards and whatever. It's let's be out in a field. Let's Let's be out in a field working. And if you have a six-month-old puppy, you know, we're going to have a description of what you're looking to get out of the day and a half um bob what's struggling what you're struggling with and and we'll set up how we can help you but then we've also got the master dog who is having a hard time picking up you know blinds under the arc um and also getting ready for hunting season and wanting to honor other dogs and so it's going to be a cool mix of everything it'll be fun um there will be more information asap on how to sign up where to send money to and then like a survey monkey thing where you can say a, a nice paragraph describing you and your dog and what you want to get out of the weekend. And then we will kind of cater it to everybody to make it fun and exciting and real lone ducky. It'll be good. Make sure you get your, you know what you need out of it. Yeah. It will be first come first serve. So I would say as soon as you see that thing and you want to come, you better get in and get on it and then we'll help find hotels and everything like that. So All right, guys, as always, thank you for tuning in. Please do me a favor. If you enjoy the content we provide here on the podcast and at Lone Duck on Instagram, do us a solid. Head to LoneDuckOutfitters.com. Check it out. Grab a hat. Grab a T-shirt. Show a little love and support. Maybe you need an e-collar or you've been wanting a gunner kennel. If you get them through us, we truly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Until next time, we out. Hey, join our community. If you enjoy the show, if you enjoy our YouTube, if you enjoy Instagram, it's like buying me and Kevin a beer. Join patreon.com forward slash Lone Duck Outfitters. The link is in the description. Click that link. Join the community. We've got tons of great videos, tons of great content, and you can ask me more questions. So join it. Enjoy it. We did it for you, and you're helping us produce this show so thank you so much to that community get in get out let's roll patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters hey listeners nick larson here host of the bird shop podcast as fans of this show you may be interested in the conversations on the bird shop podcast where we discuss all things upland hunting from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns bird dogs and gear used to pursue them whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more i interview a wide range of guests each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share if you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation please consider subscribing to the bird shop podcast today Thank you.